Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Mark your calendars. Next week is not only Spring Forward Day, also, I'm going to be bringing a message called, What If This Is The End? There's a lot going on in our world right now, and people are wondering, well, is this war that's happening the beginning of the last war? What, how do I live in light of that possibility? And every time there's a war or rumors of war, we think of Matthew 24, and we're going to talk, talk about that next week. How do we live in light of the fact that this could be the end? Because the reality is we're closer to the end today than we were yesterday. We need to be thinking, God, how do I best live to bring you glory if things get worse? And no doubt they will get worse. So it's going to be, don't worry, it's, don't be, it's not going to be fearful, it's not going to be horrible, it's going to be a way for us to understand what God is doing and to get excited about his plans. You may want to bring a friend who's wondering, why is this happening? So that's next week here at First Baptist Church of Delray Beach at 9, 30, and 11. Welcome to those of you online, and it's great to have you with us today. Well, today, uh, 14 years ago, was my first Sunday here at First Baptist Church of Delray Beach, and uh, I thank you. I say that because you've been such a blessing in our lives, and it's an amazing privilege to get to serve here. Julie and I love you all, and we're thrilled to get to come here on Sunday to open God's Word, to know you, to hear your stories, and to know what God is doing in your lives. That's an amazing privilege, and uh, we're grateful for that. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about uh, part of our series called Engaging Your World, and that's what this whole part of Acts is. It's about God's people moving out of Jerusalem, going out into the world, and engaging their world with the good news of Jesus. And the title of the message today is, It's Not for Sale. It's Not for Sale. I was in Jen, our administrative assistant's office, the other day, and a call came in, and someone said, Hey, We'd like a piece of your property. And I was like, no. Jen, tell them no and no in certain terms. We're not interested in selling property. Property is precious, right? It's limited. Real estate is going through the roof right now. But there's no amount of money that could pay for this property, right? I mean, we just wouldn't want to do that. But in reality, I guess there'd be a number out there. No. I don't think so. But for almost every other piece of property in Palm Beach County in South Florida, you could buy if you had enough money, right? Most every piece of property is technically for sale, but there are a lot of things that aren't for sale. For example, you can pay for a gym membership, but you can't buy a stronger, healthier body, right? Because really all the gym membership does is it gives you a ticket to go in and do the work. You actually pay to do work, which is hard to imagine, right? But that's the only way you're going to get stronger. You don't actually get stronger by paying for the membership, unfortunately. It would really be great, I think, if you could do that, don't you? Here's 100 bucks, you lose 10 pounds. I mean, that'd be worth it, right? I mean, you don't have to do anything. The reality is you've got to show up and submit to some kind of a workout plan in order to have an effect happen, right? You can't just buy it. In a similar way, while you can pay college tuition, you can't really buy an education, right? 
You can't actually just buy the education. You actually have to show up. And you have to do the work. And you have to pass the test in order to actually get an education and be changed by that education. So important for us to understand that while you might even be able to buy a degree, it doesn't make you any smarter, any more intelligent, any more developed. You have to submit to the program of the school. You have to submit to professors and teachers and assignments if you're going to gain an education. Relationships are like this too, aren't they? You could take someone to dinner. You could take them to Disney World. You could take them on a high seas adventure. You could pay for all that, but you haven't actually bought a friend, have you? Friendship requires that you submit to the process of relationship building. And that's what we need to understand spiritually. You can't buy it, even though it might seem that you can. You can't buy Jesus Christ. That's what we're covering today in Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 9. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 9. And let me just set this up for you. If you are here last week, you know what's happening. Uh, Philip has been... Um, if you want to say, almost expelled out of Jerusalem because there's this severe punishment, this persecution that's coming on the church because of Saul, the man who would later be called Paul, who would write half of the Old Testament, New Testament. But at this point in life, Saul is someone who is ripping apart the church. He sees it as this incredible threat and danger to the people of God, and he is dragging people out of their houses. He's hauling them to prison. He's doing all kinds of evil things, and the people of the church scatter. They scatter. And Philip is one of those. He's one of those seven that were identified by the apostles as one that they wanted to kind of extend their work through, Stephen, Philip, and five other guys. And Philip is scattered out of Samaria, out of Jerusalem, and he's scattered down into Samaria, which, as an aside, it's important for us to understand we have a scattering event going on right now, don't we? People are being scattered. Millions of Ukrainians are having to leave their country. And they're being scattered to other parts of the world. It's important for us to understand when we think about that and we wonder, why does God allow that? There's at least two things that is happening concerning the kingdom of Jesus Christ. First, evil is on display, isn't it? Just as it was in Jerusalem in the days of Philip. Evil's on display. Brutal, evil tactics. People are suffering. And honestly, we need to see that. We need to understand how bad evil really is. Because sadly, we're tempted to embrace evil at times. Evil is way worse than we can imagine. So first, once there's a scattering event, evil is on display. And second, God is mixing people in a way that they would never interact before. People from Ukraine, many of them are followers of Jesus. We have a Baptist seminary there led by a graduate of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, where I went to seminary, and Julie went to seminary. And uh, he's the president of the seminary in Lviv, and they're actually serving as a uh, refugee station right now. Um, It's important to understand that when God mixes people, his gospel spreads. They will share the gospel. They will come into contact with other missionaries and other people who know Jesus Christ. We have to often be moved for the gospel to be spread. That's why we're doing this series called Engaging Your World. God has put you where you are for you to engage your world with the message of Jesus Christ. 
So that's what's happening in Philip's life. And people are responding. He's doing amazing things. We come to verse 9. There's an interesting story about a man named Simon. Open your device or open your Bible to check the screens. Acts chapter 8, verse 9 says this. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they all paid attention to him because of a long t- for a long time he had amazed them all with his magic. And when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believes, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. It's interesting. Here's a guy named Simon who had become somebody who was thought of as great by the leaders and all the people of Samaria. And understand who the people of Samaria are. They're at Jewish roots, but they had intermarried with all kinds of different people from all over the world as a result of of really what the conquering kings had done. They brought in people to mix with them so that probably hoping to dilute the power of the Jewish people. But because they had intermarried with all kinds of people who believed all kinds of different things, it makes sense that they would believe someone who was a magician, who was doing things that were, or at least seemed to be, supernatural. And if you know much about magicians, it's always a trick, right? You just got to know what the trick is. And it's possible that even evil spirits could have been used in Simon. He could have been doing some supernatural things. That happened in Pharaoh's court when Moses came originally. If you remember the story, his magicians would do something. Moses would do something better. So Simon has made a reputation as having some amazing power. And everyone kind of thought, and they called him someone who had the power of God. Imagine that if they said that about you. You have the power of God who is great. And you're known as someone that the power of God can course through. You know, if you have Caribbean roots, you might think of the voodoo priests. And they typically would do things to make people think they had a spiritual power. And in fact, evil spirits probably use them to do some amazing things. And if you know about that, if you come from that culture, you understand how scary that can be and how powerful that is can seem so this is who simon is and he's used to having this kind of control this kind of power Um, people are saying he's great it's pretty pretty heady stuff right you're great you're powerful and they may have even indicated that he is almost divine almost god himself not quite probably but almost well Philip comes to town, and he starts doing amazing things that are better than what Simon can do. And Simon is amazed. He's thinking, I can't even fake that. And I don't know how you fake that. I don't know how that works. That's incredible. And so Simon, on some level, believes and is baptized. Now, it's important to know that 
Luke doesn't go into whether Simon really believes or if he's faking it or if he's trying to infiltrate. All it says, frankly, is he believes. And really, we take people at face value. We teach them the word of God. We explain who Jesus is. We look for him to work in their lives. But really, it's a heart thing. We can't know completely what's happening. Simon believes. Simon is baptized. And so there's this move that's going on in Samaria and the apostles up in Jerusalem feel like they need to check it out. Acts chapter 8, verse 14. And when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. This is hard for us to understand because, well, didn't Peter say in Acts chapter 2 that when they heard his message and they said, what should we do? And he said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you will receive the Holy Spirit. And didn't Jesus say that you shall uh, go, go therefore and make witnesses, make disciples of mine, baptizing them in what? The name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded. And the Spirit come when you're saved and The answer for us is yes, but remember, Acts is not prescriptive of everything that will happen after Acts. Acts is God setting up his church, and he's setting up his church in different places. And he wants to do something new here, and so he causes the Spirit to fall as a result of Peter and John's appearance. Important for us all to understand what's happening. Peter and John show up, and they see something happening. And God moves them to lay their hands on him to to say, this is amazing, let's pray for you. And as a result, the Spirit falls in an amazing way. The Spirit manifests itself. We don't know what happened, but you have to think it would be similar to Pentecost. Probably a physical um, phenomenon, possibly a rushing wind, possibly that same sound that you heard in Acts chapter 2. People are changed, the Holy Spirit comes into their lives Maybe they're speaking in other languages like they did in Acts chapter 2, but there's a clear happening of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you, have you ever experienced the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you experiencing Him right now? Because if you know Jesus, if you receive the gift of salvation, you should have received the Holy Spirit. It should be a sense of the God of the universe living inside of you. It's a powerful thing. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, he said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, there should be something that's changing you, but it shouldn't be wine or alcohol. It should be the Holy Spirit. It should be noticeable, because you can tell when someone's drunk, can't you? You can also tell when someone's filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not the same phenomenon, but you ought to have been changed, right? Sometimes I think we need to step back and kind of look at ourselves. Would anybody be able to tell the Spirit lived in me? Or if I got him walled off in an area that I don't really let people see? Spirit should be living inside of you. So that's what's happening. The Holy Spirit has fallen. And some would say, if you have a charismatic background, you may say, well, this is what always happens. There's the salvation, the baptism, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I would argue with that, but I want you to know I'm not going to, we're not going to fight over that because, man, if you have the Holy Spirit, praise God, whoever you got it, right? I'm just excited that you've had an experience with the Holy Spirit. 
But the normal way in Acts and throughout Scripture is that when you're saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you. There are times when you're going to have experiences that are amazing with him, but he always lives inside of you. And that's what's happening here in Acts. And so imagine, imagine if you're Simon. You're watching this. Two guys show up, and when they touch people, something amazing happens. The Holy Spirit comes in. And you're also thinking, now wait a minute, if this is what people are responding to today, I need to get in on it, right? There's something happening. I need to buy a piece of this. There's something that people are really responding to. I better get in on this or I'm going to be left in the dust. Verse 18. And when Simon saw the Spirit, saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of hands on the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now that sounds kind of almost offensive to us, doesn't it? You can't buy God. You can't pay for that. I mean, these are the apostles. You can't buy that position. He's to Simon, though. Think about him. He probably paid for every trick he ever got. Or the ones he couldn't develop, if someone new came to town, a new charlatan, a new guy who had some kind of a trick, some kind of an act, he probably was used to paying for that. Probably paid the guy off, told him to go away, and he would take that franchise, if you will, of that trick where he was. You see, to Simon, the gift of the Holy Spirit was just another act. It was just another piece of his performance. It's like having another bullet in your gun or a, another product in your portfolio that you can deliver or another song in your repertoire that you can sing. He didn't see it as everything. He saw it as only a part of what he already had. Have you been there? When you think of Jesus... When you think of the Spirit living in you, is, is it an exclusive thing or is it a syncretistic thing where you're adding something to what you already have? See, I love the Apostle Paul saying, you know, anyone in Christ is a new creation. Behold, all things become new, right? The old has passed away. There should be a sense of, no, this is a new person. We do this all the time. We see Jesus as just another part of our lives. Something maybe even to be bargained for. Jesus, I will follow you if you will do this for me. Jesus, if I, I've paid the price. I've been a good person. I've gone to church. I've served. I, I've sung songs. I've done all sorts of things. I've memorized scriptures. So I expect that you're going to provide for me the kind of life that I deserve. Does that ever get into your thinking? Does that ever make you feel that? You deserve something from God. See, Simon misses the point. He's asking the question, how much is it going to cost me? What am I risking? And you know, it's a good idea to count the cost. Because when you follow Jesus and receive his spirit, there's some things that are happening. You are relinquishing control, not gaining control. 
You're relinquishing control. You're not gaining control. See, you're submitting to someone who has so, such, so much more magnificent, he's so much more magnificent than you can even imagine. See, Jesus has so much going on. He's so much bigger. He's so much stronger. He's preparing such an amazing place. It's, it's greater than we can even get. You're submitting to him. You're trusting him with everything. See, Jesus isn't something you're adding to your life. He becomes your life. Is that where you are today? Has he become your life, or are you trying to fit him into your life? To follow Jesus is to submit to Jesus rather than try to get him to submit to you. Peter's response is powerful. Verse 20, Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. See, he's saying, You're, you don't get it. Your heart is not right. You thought you could buy it. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. You know, Peter's rebuke is severe, isn't it? Simon, you don't get it. The intent of your heart is not right. You're trying to control God rather than allow Him to control you. You're trying to act like you can buy someone when in fact, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been bought with a price. You know, we never know someone's heart when they come to Christ. We only know what they say. We only know what we sense. But after the baptism, after the conversion, we start to find out what really happened. And those who made a deal with God or maybe traded something for salvation, they usually don't stay around. But those who submitted their lives to Jesus, even though they may drift off, they always come back. We don't know what happens. And we don't know what happened to Simon. Although it doesn't look good, early church history says that there was a sect that was associated with him who they became Gnostics. And they were one of the main uh, drivers behind a heresy called Gnosticism, which means we have a special knowledge that we got from this special force that this, this God-like person gave us this force, and we have special knowledge that we might share with you or we might not. It's very prevalent today even, and they were associated with Simon the Magician. So it seems like maybe Simon never did really get it. But Luke doesn't tell us. And that's not really the point. See, it's what happens after baptism shows whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. See, receiving the gift of salvation, the presence of the Holy Spirit, does not happen so that you can achieve your purpose. It happens so you can achieve His purpose. You don't add it to your life, it becomes your life. And it's like getting on an airplane. And when you get on an airplane, who are you trusting? You're not trusting yourself because unless you're the pilot, you don't have any control. It's the pilot who 
who determines whether or not you get to where you're going. When I trust Jesus, I'm saying, Jesus, I want to get on your plane because I want to go where you're going. You don't call up the pilot from seat 25A and say, hey, look, I didn't really want to go to Chicago. Let's go to Denver instead, right? You go where the pilot wants to go. You don't call the pilot and say, listen, I got $100,000 for you to change course. You don't do that, right? The pilot's in charge. Jesus Christ is in charge. We need to follow him. It's like joining an army and you're not the general. I'm going to go where you call me to go. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to be a part of your incredible plan. You join his mission to reach the world with his message because he is God and you are not. And you cannot buy him. You cannot buy him. Some of you, I know, are control freaks. Don't raise your hand, but I see a bunch of you out there right now. You're control freaks. And you know what? That's not always a bad thing, right? Because control freaks, what happens with control freaks? They get stuff done. If it wasn't for people who were control freaks, nothing would ever get done. The rest would be sitting around going, man, I don't know if we want to do that. Control freaks are like, no, it has to be done, and it has to be done now. It has to be done in this way, and they, they make sure stuff happens. But also, control freaks understand authority. They understand authority. And if you're a control freak, my question for you today is, who is your authority? You see, when you say yes to Jesus, you're saying, I can't buy you. I can't control you. I'm submitting myself to you. So if you're a control freak, that's going to be your problem with Jesus, typically. I want control that I cannot have. That's what faith is. Now, some of you may have made a deal with God and maybe maybe you thought that it was going to give you a health and wealth, better life, and you wouldn't have disease, you wouldn't have difficulties. Things would work out exactly how you wanted it, and it hasn't been that way. But that's not what following Jesus is. Following Jesus is going where he wants you to go to experience what he wants you to to experience, to allow you to glorify him where he wants you to glorify him. And some of those situations are incredibly difficult. It's been tough, hasn't it? It could be a tough life. See, some of us think if we suffered, God must not have come through. But if you're following Jesus, you are guaranteed to suffer. That's hard for us here in America. We feel like we shouldn't have to suffer. But suffering is a part of following Jesus. I love the Apostle Paul in Colossians when he says, I'm in prison, I'm suffering, but I'm filling up for you what was lacking in Jesus Christ. And he's not saying that Jesus is not sufficient. What he's saying is, I'm demonstrating to you the suffering that Jesus suffered because you weren't here when he suffered. You need to understand that suffering doesn't destroy, actually it brings God glory. And if you're suffering today, my question is, how do you see God in light of your suffering? Do you see him as one who didn't come through? Or are you, do you see one who can sustain you even in suffering? Who can support you and you can actually be more like Jesus 
because you're suffering in the way that Jesus suffered. We all live with, in, and around sinners. Amen? And if you live around a sinner, they're going to offend you at some point. The question is, can I act like Jesus in that? Can I bring him glory even in my suffering? Or do I think that God really works for me? And that I'm really the one in charge? And I'm frustrated if God doesn't do things the way I want him to do it. I would urge you today, remember, God has an incredible, magnificent plan and future for you if you're a follower of Jesus. It's incredible. It's beyond what we could imagine. The place that Jesus has prepared for us is amazing. The life that we get to live with the Holy Spirit living inside of us is amazing, even though there's suffering and difficulty. In light of that, submit to Jesus rather than trying to get Him to submit to you. Follow Jesus rather than pushing Jesus. When you follow Jesus, you're saying, I'm going where you want me to go. I'm getting on your plane. I'm in your army. I'm in your mission. I'm going to set aside my control issues. I'm going to set aside my disillusionment. And I'm going to realize that following Jesus is all about submitting to him rather than trying to get him to submit to me. Today, I urge you, would you consider your life? Would you say that you're following Jesus or you're trying to push Jesus? Would you say that Jesus is just a part of your life or is he your entire life? Is everything in your life submitted to him? Or are there some things in your life where you would say, you know what? I haven't given that to him. I've kind of tried to buy him off by giving him other parts of my life. But I can't give him that. What is that thing? I urge you, submit to Jesus Stop trying to make him submit to you. He has an incredible, incredible plan for you and joy. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.